Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi folks, this is Sarah Perry and welcome back to Haven Space. Today we're going to be talking about fellatio, otherwise known as blowjobs. It is not necessarily a fetish, but it is definitely a part of our everyday sex culture. Um, And we are going to be discussing more about where it came from, what we know historically, a few tips to make it amazing, um, and just a little bit more info to um, really start blowing your mind. By the end of this podcast, you should know a little more about this sexual inclination, what it is, what it isn't, what we know about it, where to find it, and how to go about making this happen for yourself with all of the consent, respect, and pleasure our bodies are worthy and capable of. So to start off, I really want to mention that when I talk about blowjobs during this podcast, I am actually going to be expressing blowjobs in terms of anybody with any type of phallus. So it doesn't really matter if you were born with a penis or if you are having sex with someone who was born with a penis. There are many other things that we use regularly to simulate a penis in sexual acts. And that can be um, a strap-on, it can be a dildo, it can be fingers, it can be toes, all of these things that um, kind of protrude out of our bodies that really make our sexual experiences penetrative. I want to encourage you to think of this podcast in terms of blowjobs being like uh, just a phallus type object, not necessarily just penises. Historically, um, the first mention that we have of at least recorded blowjobs are from ancient Egypt with common folklore about the god and the goddess Osiris and Iris. Osiris and Iris were siblings that turned into lovers and got married. And Osiris was destroyed in a battle and uh, he was broken up into a bunch of little pieces and Iris uh, was very distraught and put him back together. When she put him back together, she found that his penis was missing and mentioning that a man could not exist without a penis. Haha, nowadays we definitely know that's not true. But she thought that she would um, sculpt one out of clay. And so she did. She sculpted one out of clay and she put it um, on his body and she blew life through his penis into him and he came back to life. That idea that blowjobs can essentially bring you rebirth um, is almost something that we talk about nowadays when all of these young people who adore blowjobs feel like this is some type of ritualistic thing. Um, Later on, we go on to ancient Greece with uh, their engagement of the definitely not gay thing, the sex between straight white men. We are mostly talking about the partnership between um, young scholars and older men and men of uh, privilege who would then sponsor their either training, like Olympic training, or even their studies in exchange for sexual favors or what was considered a sexual relationship until they reached adulthood and then became 
uh, married to women. This idea of uh, payment through uh, oral sex and anal sex was a big part of ancient Greece culture and was actually not considered to change the fact that you also liked women. Additionally, and strangely, uh, in ancient Rome, oral sex was seen as a punishment. So you were forced to have oral sex with someone if you committed a crime against them. It was actually a typical penance that the um, court would assign to someone, like, like a thief or something. One Maxim article I came across actually said that having bad breath in ancient Rome was considered uh, frowned upon simply because it meant that you could have been giving someone a blowjob. And then historically, we come across the rise of the Catholic Church and, um, of course, its dissipation into different Christian churches and why they started um, expressing more interest in sexual behaviors largely having something to do with the ability to conceal sexual affairs and trying to keep people in in strict monogamous relationships. A lot of what be, was kind of foreplay and quote-unquote sideways sexuality was deemed inappropriate. So we're talking about homosexual behavior simply because you weren't able to prove that people were having an affair, you wouldn't get pregnant. Similarly, oral sex became extremely taboo, completely inappropriate, and having oral sex in some places was punishable by death, more so because of its inability to to produce a child at the end. So what ended up happening is religious leaders and political leaders and really other people in the community were no longer able to keep track of who was doing what with whom if there was no evidence through pregnancy and childbirth. Funny enough, we didn't have DNA testing at the time, so pregnancy and childbirth very much were related to what your child looked like. And I can't imagine the number of people who were actually put to death and their kids just looked like a relative from years ago that didn't look anything like the father. And further back in the past, I forgot to mention the Kama Sutra, of course, is a religious book. It talks it talks about an ordained um, destiny to have amazing sex and to kind of explore the boundaries and the flexibility of your sexuality. In the Hindu religion, exploring your sexuality is a way to honor uh, your creation is a way to honor your body. And the Kama Sutra has um, a whole book dedicated to fellatio. It has a whole book that talks specifically about blowjobs um, and four distinct positions that you're supposed to explore, some of which are, you know, like doing a back flip with a blowjob going on at the same time. So there's a lot there that is really interesting, um, creative, and it's fun to know that our Hindu ancestors really, really, really like to explore the boundaries of their sexuality and gave us such an amazing gift that we can continue to learn and grow with. And then coming to modern day, uh, we have discussed during the Come Play episode about the 
Sambia people of Papua New Guinea that still engage in ritualistic blowjobs. In fact, for them, a blowjob is, um, especially if you get to like imbibe the semen, is a part of growing up. And in fact, young boys cannot become adult men without drinking the semen of the older men in the tribe. It's not traumatic. It is proven that these people do not grow up with the signs that we see of sexual abuse and trauma. In fact, for them, it is almost, um, it's more than a rite of passage. It is something that they see as honorable to to donate your semen to help a young boy grow. But how common is this really? So the idea is that blowjobs kind of went away and became really obscure until mentions in The Godfather and Deep Throat. But how true is that really? So definitely the popularity has been growing. There was a study in 1994 that found that 27% of men and 19% of women have had oral sex in the past year. I'm not sure what the demographic of ages were here. But then following up in 2012, they did a similar study which is one of the big, amazing things about scientific studies that you can rely on is that you can replicate them later on. And there was a similar study from the Centers for the Disease Control and Prevention that said that between people of 20 to 24 years old, 81% of females and 80% of males had engaged in oral sex in the last year. So you're really talking about an exponential increase. So I can imagine that now being almost 10 years later, the numbers would rise yet again. It's thought though that about 71% of people consider oral sex to be sex, according to the Kinsey Institute. But teenagers seem to not consider oral sex sex. So it seems that there is a rise in popularity among teenagers specifically because it's almost like they're not actually losing their virginity. They're not actually having sexual debuts. In sexual literature and when we're doing research on sexuality, we absolutely consider oral sex and all forms of engaging in sex, including watching pornography, to be sexual debuts. They are very much a part of the initiation into sexual life, and they can totally be counted as the beginning of someone's sexual experience, whether or not there was penetration. But, you know, a lot of people, especially people of really conservative backgrounds, will state that penetrative, like penis and vagina sex, is the only kind of sex that you can lose your virginity, completely denying the existence of lesbian sex, completely denying the experience of sex with strap-ons, dildos, toys, or sex with just fingers and knees involved that can totally count as orgasmic, incredible sex. I also looked up what the world's most famous blowjob was. And while the blowjob by Pamela Anderson in her porno um, came up, clearly we can all agree that the Monica Lewinsky one is for sure the most famous blowjob. So how do you do it? How do you have, how do you give an amazing blowjob? Well, the very first step, like any other sexual experience, is going to be to have a partner that is safe enough with you to be able to communicate what they need. This can be really sketchy because for someone to be safe with a partner, they have to have some resolved trauma 
um, or never had trauma, which is really not the majority of people. And they have to have the confidence that you're not going to freak out. So step one, you have to have a partner that's willing to talk. Step two, you have to be willing to listen. It's absolutely okay to try out different techniques when it comes to blowjobs. But if you are kind of playing this game, it's good to have someone that's aware that you're playing a technique game and that you are trying to figure out what feels good. There is a type of technique in somatic sex coaching that is called body mapping, where you literally allow the person to tell you where to go. Starting a blowjob with a new partner this way could be really amazing. Just taking your time and saying, I'm going to try a bunch of different techniques and you navigate how you want it. Tell me if you'd like more or less pressure here, more or less tongue here, more or less suction here. This can be super fun. I have been in experiences where someone really enjoyed one type of pressure, but the moment they mentioned it and I started doing it more and more and more, then they didn't like it as much because it wasn't kind of a part of a varied spectrum of movements. It was just one specific movement I was doing over and over. Rarely does someone want the exact same movement over and over. So even when someone tells you that this is something they like, make sure you're still varying it up with some other things. Talking specifically about the structure of a penis, because that's what we're basing this on, there are the there are roots to that structure that transcend the skin. They go further back. They go further down into the perineum. They go up towards the hips. And knowing this kind of information can be really great when you're figuring out where to put pressure with your hands. So putting pressure directly above the penis shaft or towards the sides on the top, a little bit closer to the hips, can be really pleasurable in a different way because that is part of the muscle that extends into the penis. It's part of the muscle that actually becomes erect, the corpus callosum. Then we can talk a little bit about how deep you want to go inside of your throat. So this has much more to do with you and your comfort level than it does with the person receiving. So never push yourself further than you want to go. Some people have a really light gag reflex. The only thing I can say is if you're using something to drag along the top of your throat, along the top of your mouth and your palate, all the way to the back, it can help curb that gag reflex. It can help to where you feel that it's comfortable going in instead of something that just hit you in the back of the throat, engaging that gag reflex. Using um, the tip of the penis to guide itself all the way back to your throat, touching the top of your mouth the entire way can help with that. Know that certain penises can be thinner than others, and once you get to a certain point in the back of your throat, you can actually feel how the back of your throat opens vertically to the top, and you can have a penis so far in the back of your throat where the head is actually behind this opening in your throat. Then you can do motions like swallowing, like actually making vibrations. Humming is something that you can actually throw in as a technique, and by the way, Blowjobs can also be referred to as hummers for this very, very reason. Um, Using the back of your throat while the back of your throat is already engaged with something can be helpful in both producing a ton of saliva, which is super pleasurable for blowjobs, and in helping you kind of control your gag reflex. 
if your gag reflex is too much to have anything even on the top of your throat sliding back, there's also the alternative of putting the shaft underneath your tongue. Depending on how long your tongue is and how short your tongue tie is, you can actually have a very and give a very similar sensation to someone reaching the back of your throat by just putting it underneath your tongue. I probably don't even have to mention that teeth are not typically super accepted in the blowjob world, but having um, a little bit of teeth play on the shaft can kind of reset that pleasure that may be intensifying and cause someone to pay more attention. So if you're realizing that they're getting a little bit close to climax and they're not ready to orgasm in that way, you can just push your teeth slightly along the shaft or along the bottom and create really pleasurable sensations that way. Engaging your hands is also something that some people can really enjoy. So some people like twisting along the shaft, some people like friction up and down the shaft. Now remember, everybody's bodies are different and people may engage and may really love and appreciate the tip of their penis being sucked, sometimes some light pressure on the opening of the penis, sometimes right underneath where the crown kind of opens up could be a pleasurable place. And some people don't like the head at all being played with and really enjoy the shaft of their penis played with. So again, communication is the most important thing. And lastly, when it comes to technique, don't fucking listen to anything you read. Don't listen to me. Go ahead and do your own research. Play with your own body and your partner's bodies and find something that they find amazing without being afraid to explore it. Because at the end of the day, your sexuality is about yourself and your pleasure is about you and your partners will feed through that pleasure. So don't be afraid. So how can you uh, be safe? Well, I'm sorry to tell you that oral sex can actually transmit a ton of diseases that we've been taught that it can't. We tend to think that having oral sex, um, specifically fellatio, can be a lot safer in terms of STD transfer, but it is not true. You can transfer chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, herpes, um, HPV, human papillomavirus, HIV, and trichlomoniasis, which is actually a sexually transmitted parasite. Even with a condom, you can spread herpes, genital warts, and syphilis because they all have to do with actual skin-to-skin contact, which you are getting from your mouth to the sides of the penis uh, where your body could be touching. So keep that in mind, right? So just wearing a condom during a blowjob doesn't make you less likely to get a sexually transmitted infection or disease. The funny part is, though, that there's a very easy way to prevent from getting it that doesn't include wearing any barriers. And it is to get tested, get tested with your partner. It can be so romantic and so sexy to have super clean sex. Um, Know that HPV has been linked to cervical and throat cancers. Um, Oropharyngeal cancer is very, very, very much on the rise, 70% higher in the last... 20 years than it was before then, and 70% of those cases have been linked to HPV because of a rise in blowjobs and cunnilingus oral sex in people with vulvas. So know that these rates are on the rise and that getting swabbed in your throat for HPV is also a thing that you should be doing. 
Gonorrhea can also be found in the throat, so please go get tested and make sure you go somewhere where they're doing a throat swab, which is not super common. In fact, most of the times you'll have to go into the quote-unquote gay areas of town who are actually doing appropriate testing. Can you imagine? The queers know what they're doing. So most people have had HPV at some point in their lives, but most men will never have a complication, including cancer, except those who tend to be immunocompromised. So, you know, make sure you're getting tested regardless because even though most men don't have complications, that doesn't mean that they can't spread it to other people, other men, other women that may have complications. So to recap... Today we talked about blowjobs. Um, we talked about how it's not really a fetish, just like a super common part of our sexual culture. We talked about the Kama Sutra. We talked about ancient Egyptian folklore with Osiris and Iris and breathing, blowing life into men through their penises. We talked about um, the religious concealment of adultery being something that was super, super taboo and really led to kind of the decline of oral sex in our society. And we talked about some people in ancient Greece and ancient Rome, and current people in Zambia of Papua New Guinea, and all of the reasons we now talk about oral sex more than we did before, including but not limited to the different STDs that you can get performing oral sex. We also talked about some techniques to make oral sex great for you in your life, and mostly the idea that sex is about you and your partner and not about what some lady says on some podcast, regardless of how brilliant and intelligent you think she is. Thanks for listening, and I'll check you out next time. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.